three bears, three billy goats gruff, seven dwarves, seven league boots, cats have nine lives. When you stop to think about it, you realise just how many numbers there are in folklore and superstitions. But why is that? Let's find out in this week's episode of Fabulous Folklore. Hello there and welcome to Fabulous Folklore, the podcast for all things folklore, occult and just a bit weird. I'm your host, Icy Sedgwick, blogger, fantasy author and your guide into these rather mysterious realms. I've got some rare things to show you, so come on in, take a look around, but be careful not to touch anything. These things sometimes bite. Hello and welcome back to Fabulous Folklore with me, your host, Icy Sedgwick. This is, believe it or not, episode 80 of the podcast, which is quite surprising. I know, I am tempted to try and do something relatively special for it when I get to episode 100. I just haven't decided what yet. So if there's anything that you'd like me to do as a giveaway or anything like that, please do let me know. Send me a message, all the usual jazz, and I'll have a think about what we can do to mark quite a big number. And speaking of numbers, we're going to be having a look at numbers in folklore. Oh, did you hear that segue? It's almost like I planned it. But anyway, we are going to be looking at numbers in folklore. And when I was researching this, it was quite apparent that certain numbers appear more than others. And you start thinking of things like the three bears, the seven dwarves, the seven league boots and so on. And the numbers themselves become quite an important way to actually navigate the stories. And obviously you have to bear in mind that many of these tales do derive from much older versions. And it does seem that ancient people love numbers. And in fact, in the 6th century BCE, the Greek Pythagoreans founded a system based on numerology. And for them, it was the first nine numbers that held sacred meanings. So three in particular represented harmony because one meant unity and two meant disorder. So obviously, if you bring unity to disorder, you get harmony, if that makes sense. And then nine represented triple perfection because it was three lots of harmony. Obviously, it wasn't just the ancient Greeks that developed such systems. You do find numerology in ancient Babylon, in Egypt, in the Indus Valley, and even South America. But let's be honest, that would be an absolutely massive episode if I was going to look at all numbers in folklore. So I did decide, because I'd noticed that there were certain numbers that appeared more than others, that we would look at three of the most common magic numbers, as it were, in folklore. And that's the numbers three, seven, and nine. Now, three is probably the biggest one, and many things in the world of folklore come in groups of three. As I said at the beginning, you've got the three bears, you've got the three billy goats, and then think about the little mermaid who needs to secure the love of her prince before sunset on her third day as a human. Some superstitions rely on the idea of third time lucky, and in Germany, people actually made paper triangles and then they added across to each corner. Prayers were written in the middle. And then these sort of paper charms protected cradles from witches. And somehow they also guarded against gout, which does seem like a little bit of an interesting multifunctional item there. But there we go. And Alona Liebenau actually points out that the tasks set in fairy tales either need to be completed in three days or they come in groups of three. And she theorises that these three-day periods could refer to a range of biblical triads. Obviously, Jesus was resurrected after three days. Peter denied that he knew Jesus three times. And Jesus spoke three times on the cross before he died. There's a whole load of other trinities in the Bible. You've got the main trinity of the Father, Son and Holy Ghost. You've got the three wise men. And so it continues. 
And given the age of a lot of the folklore and the fairy tales, it is entirely possible that they originally derived a lot of this importance, possibly even unconsciously, from biblical references. Obviously, we can't be sure, and some of them do predate Christianity. So there are other reasons that three might be important, which we will get to. Characters in folklore and fairy tales often come in threes, so think of Cinderella and her two stepsisters. The Slavic witch Baba Yaga, who we met a couple of weeks ago, she's got three horsemen servants representing day, the sun and night. Obviously think of the three witches of Macbeth. And if you've seen Blackadder, you'll know that I'm really, really dying to do the Macbeth thing. If you haven't seen Blackadder, you won't know what I'm talking about. And how often do you hear people say bad things always happen in threes? And perhaps humans use the number three as a way to draw a line under misfortune. I did say somewhere, and I can't remember where, and I wish I could find it again, that somebody actually sort of recommended that if, say, you did something minor, like you broke a glass, and then maybe you you broke something else, or you ruined something else, and it was like, they're quite minor things, like, do a third one as well, just so that the third one's not something big and epic, and I'm like, oh, you could just stop breaking things. But that's probably a bit of a side issue. There is one superstition that you should never light three cigarettes with the same match or it will lead to death. And I did read an explanation of this and again I can't remember where so if anybody like recognises this please do let me know. And it actually came from the trenches of the First World War because the first match that you light alerts a sniper to the fact that you're there. The second one lets him take aim and then he fires by the third. So in that case you can see how the superstition is actually kind of coding a warning about something like real and it's it's taking something tangible and then wrapping it up in this superstition as a warning and so it does actually make sense. So three as I say it's an important number but why and it obviously as I said before does appear in the ancient world and a lot of the things to do with the bible. Christ apparently even died at 3pm which partially explains why many believe 3am marks the start of the devil's hour and if you're interested in the devil's hour or the witching hour there's an episode on that like way back at the start of the podcast it's like episode three or something but there is that there if you want to learn more about that. There is an earlier trinity of Osiris, Isis and Horus in the Egyptian pantheon. And then the number three is also important in the Norse worldview. So you tend to find that a lot of the gods have three weapons, artifacts or magical items. And there are three main realms, Nilfheim, Midgard and Asgard. Three cockerels herald the star of Ragnarok and there are three Norns. And then even Greek mythology gets in on that act because you've got the three brothers, Zeus, who represents the sky, Poseidon, who represents the seas, and Hades, who represents the underworld, and they essentially divide the world up between them. And then, of course, we've got my faves, the three fates, Clotho, Lachesis, and Atropos, who govern the length of a human life. But why three at all? I think it's an important number because it disrupts the binary of two, and it creates a middle between the left and the right, So if you imagine the three fates of Greek mythology, so they represent birth, lifespan and death. Which one could you remove to safely leave two? Because if you remove lifespan, you're essentially being born to then die. If you remove death, well, nobody dies. And if you remove birth, the other two are moot. So you can't really remove one of them to then safely leave the other two. So three creates the beginning of a spectrum, which then allows for evolution and difference to emerge. Now, in the tarot, the threes actually also represent ideas around creation. So you put the first two cards of the minor arcana together in whichever suit, and then you create a third. So in this case, you might think of sort of two parents coming together in the two and then producing their first child. 
You can also think of threes as being around evolution, because if you develop a third corner to your argument, you again avoid the binary, so you don't have right and wrong. You've got several viewpoints, and this gives you a triangle, which is one of the strongest structures available. Now, when you get the number three in terms of tasks, Keishon Bubala actually gives a plausible reason for why three is important, because when two people attempt a task and fail, that gives the third person the chance to actually have another go and they've had the opportunity to watch what the first two did wrong so they can obviously avoid all the wrongdoings and make sure they do stuff right instead. Beyond that we've also got the rule of thirds in art and photography and images that follow the rule which is demonstrated by a rather swanky gif on my blog are naturally more harmonious than those that don't. You've even got three organs inside your brain You've got the pineal and pituitary glands and you've got the central thalamus. So maybe the human brain finds harmony in the number three after all and that's why we keep returning to it again and again and again. We're going to move on to seven now and on my blog I did call this the seventh son of the seventh son because I thought you know we need a bit of an Iron Maiden reference in the episode and ironically this also does come from folklore as well. And in some Irish folklore the seventh son of the seventh son actually possesses magical abilities. Seven also becomes a useful span of time. So Thomas the Rhymer, again we met him a few episodes ago, remained in the land of fairy for seven years and gained the magical gift of prophecy. Now Anne-Marie Schimmel conducts a whole survey of the number seven and it's quite extensive and she finds it appears in a whole host of civilizations throughout the ages. She notes there's seven stars of the constellation Pleiades, there's the original seven planets of the solar system, and there's a whole host of sevens in the Bible as well, such as the seven virtues and the seven deadly sins. Schimmel even refers to seven as the number of perfection, because like three, seven is a prime number divisible only by itself and one. The cult of Mithras is believed to have seven degrees of initiation, and please do let me know if you'd like an episode on Mithras. Schimmel notes that this may have then fed into ideas around the Christian model of the seven layers of purgatory. But then think of the famous saying that we looked at a couple of weeks ago, seven years of bad luck for breaking a mirror. Now this does come from a human belief in the renewability of the human soul every seven years. And like I said, when we covered this with mirrors, there is a belief that the human body, the cells actually renew themselves every seven years or so. So it's entirely possible that this one with seven, again, has an actual root in the natural world. Now, some scholars believe that the mystical power of seven derives from the chakra system, which some people are now starting to call energy centers instead of chakras, because obviously chakras come from a specific religious system. But either way, humans have seven major energy centers, which correspond to the seven levels of consciousness. And if you blend the seven visible colors of the rainbow, you get white. So again, you get this idea of a, a harmonious conclusion. Now, other religions also place a lot of importance on the number seven. You've got the seven sacraments in Catholicism and the seven pillars of Islam. In the tarot, the sevens actually refer to challenges. Now, they're not outright conflicts like the fives, but they're an opportunity to use creativity and innovation to solve a problem. So there's a lot of determination required to overcome these challenges. So while that might not necessarily sound like a positive thing, it does give you the opportunity to actually put your mind to work and, and overcome whatever's in front of you. So why seven? Well, we're used to the number in our daily lives because obviously we have seven days that make up a week. As I said, there are seven visible colours in the rainbow. We've heard of the seven wonders of the ancient world and there are seven notes in a musical scale because the eighth forms the octave and harmony. 
Now, granted, a lot of these sevens could come from human concepts, such as the division of time. But I do think that the number is still important because of its mystical associations. And some believe that seven is so powerful because it represents the sum of the spiritual, which is three, and material, which is four realms. And this belief then bleeds into the folktales. So as characters then stand in for these seven values. Though I am going to leave it up to you to decide which of the seven virtues or sins each of the seven dwarves represent. And finally, we're going to go inside number nine. And yes, I have been dying to say that since the beginning of the episode. So I'm just going to have a little bit of a childish chuckle on the inside at that one. But anyway, nine is a very lucky number because it's three times three or the Trinity tripled. And why else do you think that we're on cloud nine after a good day, which granted is especially confusing since we're described as being in seventh heaven, and cats, one of the more supernaturally associated animals, enjoy nine lives. Now, I did go looking to see where that one came from, because I do know that there are quite a lot of cat lovers that listen to this podcast, so hello if your cats are listening. Now, it's di- I don't know why I just waved as well, because you can't see that, but you you know that I have. Now, it's difficult to pinpoint exactly where this concept of nine lives for a cat actually comes from. Some people think it comes from an old English proverb, and I quote, A cat has nine lives, for three he plays, for three he strays, and for the last three he stays. And this is believed to refer to a cat's lifespan as a kitten, an adult cat, and an elderly cat. Which, to be honest with you, that's probably the most likely of all the ones that I've heard. Others think it actually comes from Romeo and Juliet since Shakespeare is usually accredited with most phrases where Tybalt exclaims, good king of cats, nothing but one of your nine lives. And there's another internet myth that it comes from ancient Egypt, but the truth is no one actually knows. And you'll find many internet articles trying to link the holiness of nine in many religions with cats and their lives. But the trouble is not every culture actually has the association and not every culture is predisposed to think well of cats either. But obviously nine itself is still viewed as this magical number and Anatoly Lieberman actually relates a custom of lovers to break a ninepence coin in two and each partner would keep their half in order to reunite them when they next met up. And this custom lives on in the matching half coin necklaces that you often find in a lot of mass market jewellery stores. And the number nine was also important in the Norse worldview. So while we earlier mentioned the three realms, Yggdrasil actually supports nine worlds. It took Hermod nine nights to try and free Baldur from Nilfheim and Odin hung upon Yggdrasil for nine days and nights and then he was rewarded with the runes and all this wisdom for his trials. So nine becomes this, it's both a number of tribulation in that regard but it's also a number of like actually getting an end result that you're hoping for. As you'd probably imagine, nine appears in Greek myth as well because there are nine muses and the river Styx apparently flowed around nine twists. And in the tarot, the nines refer to a sense of completion. We're not entirely at the destination yet. That will be the 10 of the suit. But instead, we're at the point where we're checking. We've dotted all the I's. We've crossed all the T's. We're integrating all that we've learned so far so that we're we're doing well and we're almost at, at the end point. So that would obviously tie in with the idea of Odin on Yggdrasil, the fact that he, he he's basically not suffered, but he integrated everything that he'd he'd gathered while doing that in order to get the runes. Now, there is an unlucky side of the number nine, as you can imagine. And in medieval Germany, people believed that you could enter the world of fairy by twirling nine times. I was going to try this, but then I hurt my back and I decided I wasn't I wasn't really willing to risk it because I hadn't done this episode yet. 
And if you want to enter a fairy ring, but you don't want to enter the world of fairy, if you run round the ring nine times first, apparently it stops the fairies from being able to take you. And the number nine isn't quite so lucky in Japan because said aloud, the number sounds similar to the word for torture. And 16th century theologian Peter Bungus realised that it's the ninth psalm that predicts the rise of the Antichrist. So perhaps nine is less lucky than it appears. And I'm sure a cat on the ninth life might agree. So why do numbers in folklore hold such power? Well, numbers are basically part of our lived experience. They allow us to gauge how much or little we have of something. And it gives us a way to measure our environment, even in a small way. And let's be honest, when you can measure a thing, you can control it because you then know, have I got too much? Have I got too little? What do I need to change in order to fix the balance in the correct direction? Now, the ancient Greeks, Hebrews and Chaldeans all performed a form of divination with numbers called arithmomancy, also known as arithmancy, and it was their way of seeking to better understand the universe. So in this one, the numbers are assigned to the letters of the alphabet, and a common rule is A is 1, B is 2, and so on. Now, I'm sure I'm not the only one who's noticed there's a little bit of a problem with the modern version of this, because obviously all of those different civilizations would have had different alphabets. But anyway, we're just going to go with this for now. What you need to do is you add up each of the numbers according to the letters in a name and then you keep adding those numbers together until you get a single digit. And then the number that comes from this name can then tell you about the person's finances and health and so on. So my real name actually, because obviously you might have imagined I see is not the name I was christened, it adds up to 189 and I'll be honest, I'm not really sure of the significance of that, but if you keep adding them together, you end up with 18 And then you end up with nine, which is kind of cool, I suppose. And also, as to why three, seven and nine are important, they are all odd numbers. And according to Bambi Turner, even numbers are considered unlucky and odd numbers are lucky. And perhaps this is due to the fact that odd numbers can't be halved. And as I said earlier, in the case of three and seven, they're also prime numbers. So they're only divisible by themselves and one. So maybe this lends my magical air. And I just wanted to find, finish off with something around counting as well, because I did find some superstitions about counting and I thought this was quite cool. So I thought I'm going to stick them in at the end. So if you have warts, count how many you have, tell that number to a stranger and the warts will go away. Okay, so it'd be interesting if anyone wants to try that one because it seems relatively harmless. If you're counting possessions, money and even children, that can actually cast them away. So if you count how many you've got, you lose them. So be careful when you're writing your insurance manifests. And also, if the power of numbers does interest you, I do have a tale about numbers in my free short story collection, Harbingers. And this asks the question, what if numbers actually hold the universe together? I will put the link to that in the show notes below so you can just sign up and you can get that free collection and hopefully enjoy the story. But that is it for this week's episode. Obviously, we've had numbers aplenty for our theme of intangible things and obviously numbers are relatively intangible yes we can count how many there are of a thing but it's that idea of just because i'm looking at two things and then saying the the word two well, that's semantics but we're not going to go into that now but you can probably see where i'm going with that one next week we're going to round off our intangible objects with shadows which are really quite interesting and there's a lot of cool stuff that we can dig into with those. And then we're going to look at things to do with health and medicine and like weird folk remedies and things like that in the month of August. So I hope you enjoy those as well. As always, if you've got any requests, I do have a list that I do add them to as well. So if you haven't had your request yet, it is on the way. 
if you send me an email or a message or an Instagram, whatever, message me and tell me what it is that you'd like to hear and I will do my very best to accommodate that if it's something that I can actually cover. So with no further ado, I would like to wish you a fabulous day ahead, whatever it is that you're doing. I hope you have, if you're listening on Saturday, have a marvellous weekend. If you're not listening on Saturday, just have a nice time and I will see you soon. Cheerio. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. I hope that you enjoyed it. If you did, feel free to subscribe using whichever podcast app it is that you prefer. If you do use iTunes, if you could leave me a review, that would be fab. Basically, it just means iTunes are more likely to recommend this to other people. And if you're interested in more folklore, please feel free to swing by my blog, which is www.icsedgwick.com. And that's Sedgwick spelled S-E-D-G-W-I-C-K. And you can find all of the links, images and other bits and pieces that hopefully you enjoy. So have an absolutely fab week ahead and I'll see you soon. Cheerio.